Right, and we're back. Welcome back to Activism Uncensored. Um, today, we've got my good friend David on. Um, David, um, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself? Like, um, you were you were a carer before. Uh, you got involved with uh, full uh, civil resistance. What is? Can you start by telling us what it is you you used to do? Um, yeah, I can do. Uh, so I was a care worker for children with emotional and behavioural difficulties, uh, working in residential care. Um, yeah, mainly mainly based in the outdoors, uh, and I did that for over ten years. Um, mm-hmm. Before, yeah, before yeah, going down this path, uh, which I also perceive as care work. But well, I guess we'll get onto that. Um, yeah. Yeah, you. Um, I've heard you say before. It was your responsibility to safeguard children and make sure they're, they're safe and everything and you see civil resistance as a part of that don't you yeah it's an extension of it like yeah with with the work you were building positive memories for like potential potentially those kids that we were working with like to have some resilience in the future but of course if there is no livable future then um it's pointless isn't it so this is a uh, yeah this is exactly the same thing, pretty much just an extension of it. And um, instead of caring for like the odd individual within the company, it's like caring for everyone and every living thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the way I perceive it. Um, yeah. Why don't you uh, Why don't you tell our listeners uh, how we know each other? How do we? Well, it would be from Interlake Britain, right? We never met yeah. before that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when did, When was the first time we met? Was it in that tent in a or the the Manchester campgrounds? Um. Uh, yeah, I think it wasn't. I think it was in um, on Rybank Fields in that tent yes. uh, before in Select Britain when we were all getting to know each other. Yeah, and we were practicing the roadblocks for the first time, <laughs> working on oh how to God. do it. <laughs> yeah, that was great. God. That was a great afternoon in you the know, park and in the tent. <laughs> oh, you know, in Select Britain, well, it was the time of my life that you know. I mean, I know I feel so sorry for all the people all the misery we caused, but at the same time, like the, that whole experience was just incredible. Yeah, it was the greatest um, month, greatest two months pretty much. <laughs> like, yeah, like living by your principles and going out there and doing it again and again and again. It was amazing, wasn't it? Really, really like powerful stuff um, and empowering and liberating. Like, and the people that, the bonds that we formed were incredible, aren't they? Like, yeah. So you're in, you're in full-time civil resistance now. Um, what does that look like? What do you get up to on a day-to-day well, basis? For the start of 2023, it's been in and out of prison. Um, that, <laughs> but hopefully a little break now. Um, yeah, so day-to-day, I don't know, it's a lot of sitting on my laptop, pretty much. Uh, occasionally going to the library. I'm sitting on my laptop in the library. Although not at the moment, because I'm still... I've, I think I've been out of prison for... Oh, it's coming up to two weeks, so I'm still catching up with things. But yeah, wow. I'm getting stuck back involved now. Um, now, one of the one of the reasons, uh, obviously, when I, I want to get a lot of people on here, but one of the reasons the reasons I've been excited to get you on here is because you got sent to prison for what was it? Um, a judge asked you asked you to promise not to do it again, and you said, um, basically, I'm going to do it. All, I'm going to do it again. So, could you tell that from your perspective, like what how that went down, and what what was the reason? Yeah, okay. So we were due... Oh, I'll tell it in a long-winded manner. Um, yeah, you've got, you got a lot of time. Don't worry about it. Just... 
so the trial was due to last Monday to Friday, a five-day trial. Um, it ended up uh, being extended into into the Monday. So we didn't do our closing statements on the Friday, um, but we did we kind of set it up uh, that we would be doing them on the Monday. So explaining that we'd not been able to like say our motivations or justifications for why we took action, why we sat on the road with Insulate Britain. Um, so, I mean, it was kind of a recurring thought throughout the week, knowing that we couldn't speak about why we were doing what we're doing. So I decided not to even give evidence. Like I didn't go up to the witness box to get, say, from my perspective, because it just felt like there was no point. If we can't say why we're doing what we're doing, like, what's the point? It just felt like a charade. Um, so I didn't do that on Wednesday, which um, didn't feel good because we're in court to justify ourselves like and, and say why we did what we did. But if, if we can't do that, then um, it, 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 yeah, it didn't feel right. Um, anyway, so... Just to clarify, you couldn't, you, couldn't, you couldn't say, you couldn't talk about climate change or the reasons why you did it because the judge, Silas Reid, uh, ruled that it was irrelevant yeah, to the case. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's bonkers, Which is isn't it? ridiculous, yeah, isn't it? I mean, even now it seems ridiculous. Um, I compare it, is... it to, um, I, I compare it to like if there was a child in the road with a car coming hurtling towards him, and you jumped and tackled the kid out of the road, and then you got arrested for for assaulting the child and taken to court, and you were in court, and you're not allowed to mention the car. Yeah, it's like you have to explain why you hurt the child without mentioning the danger of the of the, the car poses. It's kind. Of, that's quite yeah. a good way of yeah. looking at it, really. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. So anyway, con- con- continue. So yeah, that was on the Wednesday. So I was, I was thinking, oh my god, this is very, this isn't great. Uh, so expecting to do my closing statement on the Friday, uh, and at that point, I wasn't sure what I was going to say, um, even in the closing statement, um, whether I'd even give a closing statement or not. It just seemed a farce. It just seemed a waste of my time. And it probably was. Uh, anyway, we didn't get round to the closing statements on the Friday. We came back on the Monday. But over that weekend, I had a chance to like assess what I wanted from 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 the trial uh, and also from myself. Like, And it just didn't feel right to like um, not, be, not say why we did what we did. Um, so, yeah, I had the weekend to think about it. I spoke to quite a few people, uh, but it was a really quick turnaround. I, I wasn't I wasn't um, I wasn't necessarily going to do it until my uh, co-defendants had okayed it, because obviously it could have impacted on them. Like they, it could have gone to a retrial. Um, so I had to mm-hmm. double check that they were OK with things. So come the Monday morning, I kind of had it set in my head that I would be doing it, but I just needed to double check and get their permission as well. So come um, come Monday morning, uh, I was a bit umming and ahhing, but then a journalist walked into the room just as I was, uh, Judge Reed was going through, like who, checking if we wanted our closing statements, checking just so we didn't accidentally commit contempt. So he, he spoke to the barrister, Kai's barrister, and then he spoke to Benny and then Christian. Um, and then a journalist walked in just as he was coming to me, and I said at that point, I think I'm going to tell the truth to the jury, um, which I think, well, I can't remember his reaction. I think it probably bamboozled him a bit because he, he did eventually go to a recess and warned me then that it would likely lead to an immediate custodial sentence uh, and give me <laughs> some time to think about it. So I don't know when I then, um, I think it got to the afternoon and I yeah, I did it. Um, 
yeah, I spoke to the jury in my closing statement, the last one, uh, about the climate crisis, fuel poverty. I think I started with fuel poverty saying that this, uh, it was estimated in 2019 that there was uh, 7,500 deaths through um, fuel poverty, through cold homes in the winter. Um, and then relating that to the fact that in the case, we were talking about 7,500 people potentially being delayed by buses, like the equivalent of, of deaths to bus diversions and people being de delayed by buses um uh, it yeah it's maddening it's maddening anyway yeah so i did it uh and yeah he was true to his word it was an immediate well it gave me a night's respite i went back the next day for sentencing but it was an immediate custodial but i'd prepared for it um yeah in my head and it wasn't the first time i've been to prison so did it did it give you a chance to apologize or, or um, anything like that yeah straight away i think yeah i didn't apologize because well, I knew the previous week, I think Steph had apologised and she, but it didn't feel right for me to apologise um, because it wouldn't have been genuine. Like the reasons why I did what I did were sound and I felt comfortable with the reasons why I did what I did. And I was happy to put myself in his hands. Like he's, he's got to live with his choices just as I have to live with mine. So um, yeah, didn't apologise basically. Yeah. So you went straight to prison? On the Tuesday, yeah. Got, yeah, I, I um, yeah, got the night to think about things, and he wanted me to seek legal advice. Um, yeah, and then came back on the Tuesday. I was think I was the first thing up. There was another insulate Britain trial starting. Um, I think it had started on the Monday after we'd finished. So, um, yeah, came back on the Tuesday, and within ten by ten thirty, I was down in the cells. Uh, I think. Mm. Um, Half twelve, I was shipped off to Thameside. Um, yeah, so wow. <laughs> it was quite straight to prison, but I was okay with that. Like I knew, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. So you went to prison for committing contempt of court by talking about climate change in an insulated Britain case. Yeah. That that just it really infuriates me that you know, like really does. I well, can't even. Honestly, I had the. Yeah, I had the same trial as you. Um, I was in the first one, and I was able to say um, the this the defining moment in human history. And he kind of like, mm. and then the jury acquitted us. So I think it really pissed him off a little bit. So yeah, you might partially have me to blame for for Judge Reed's anger, but uh... <laughs> no, that's fine. I think it's it's not a it's not a bad thing that I, yeah, I was fine with being sent to prison, and it's a good thing, isn't mm. it? To some extent, like it's a good thing that we're showing up, like that we can't mention climate change in the courtroom. Like it's showing up for, showing them up for what they actually are. Like, um, like sending us or sending the global south to their deaths. Pretty much, like the legal system is is complicit in this, isn't it? Not just the fossil fuel industry. It's it's everything. It's everything. The establishment. It's everything. Um, taking us down. Yeah. So it's a good thing. Yeah. Shows them shows them up for what they are. Yeah. Although I don't have any personal qualms with Judge Reed, like <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. I mean, he's got to live with himself at the end of the day, you know. It, yeah. it kind of feels like he's doing the right thing, but I mean, one day, when the climate's breaking down, he's gonna to have to look at his grandkids in the eyes and be like, "Yeah, I was the one sending these people to prison, yeah. talking about climate change in court." So, history. Well, I reckon I think history will remember people like you. To be honest. And uh, what you've done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I give a lot of other people credit, but I don't credit myself. You know, it's one of those <laughs> things. Yeah. Um, 
I think he's just playing his part. But I think, I think he's just playing his part, same as we play our part to some extent. But I think, I mean, he he, kind of, he references when I got the jury found us guilty. I never said that. Um, so I went back to prison uh, again for the guilty verdict. And I think he, he was trying to reference five weeks in prison, serve two and a half as a deterrent um, where it's it's not a deterrent. So I think he kind of knows that he's in a bit of a quandary. Um, he's trying to deter us, but again, five weeks in prison isn't a deterrent. It's lenient. It is lenient. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know. I don't know. He's in a pickle, isn't he? Yeah, he is. It's, hmm. You know, uh, speaking of not complying, um, I got sentenced to 120 hours community service for the uh, Formula One trial, Silverstone. And I've decided that I'm not going to go, I'm not doing it. I was supposed to go yesterday and I just thought, you know what? Nah, I'm not going. (laughs) I will not comply. So I'm not going, yeah. So I made a a 60 second video saying that I won't comply with this system and that our politicians and oil executives need to be on trial for crimes against humanity. And so therefore I will not comply with this state. I will not do my unpaid work and I don't care what you do to me. And I put it on Twitter and I, uh, I tweeted it at the home office on Twitter, uh, no yesterday. Idea. Yeah. So any, any we'll comeback yet? No, no comeback yet, but we'll, <laughs> we'll see what happens. You know, they, they can throw me in prison for all I care. I'm not, I'm just not complying anymore. I'm not, I'm not doing unpaid work just purely yeah. on principle of like, yeah. you know, yeah. How, how is your probation worker? I presume you've got a probation worker because that's another interesting dynamic, isn't it? Oh yeah. <laughs> she's, she's lovely. You know, uh, I'm not going to name her in here cause uh, I'm going to respect her privacy, but um, yeah, she's, she's, she's really lovely. She's just an average, an average woman really with a job. Um, I'm not sure she knows how, quite how to handle me, really, because I'm quite. I'm always like taking the piss a bit, you know, like, um, like when when she said I'm gonna send you to unpaid work now, I said okay. Do you mind if I take some leaflets and radicalise everybody there? And she's like, please don't do that. Uh, yeah, but it's pretty funny, really. Like, I I can like winding her up. Yeah, um, yeah. Mine, mine's. I think we are novel to them. Hopefully we're a bit of a break because um, we're quite clear that we're going to do it again, or at least I, I am, and obviously you are. Um, yeah, so <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah, it's quite hard to handle, I imagine. So hopefully, I mean, we're pleasant, pleasant enough with them. But yeah, it must be quite confusing to have people in front of them saying, oh, yeah, definitely going to offend again. Um, yeah, but mine's really relaxed as well. Uh, yeah. Now, we were in the same block team together in Insulate Britain. We were sitting on the M25 together. Um, got a lot of good memories. I got a lot of good memories from then. Um, out of all that time in Insulate, Insulate Britain, are there any times any any times that jump out at you are like the most memorable? Well, I guess that first moment, that first, that first day, because um, that was the first time I'd I'd stepped out onto the road to block a road. Like I'd done stuff with Extinction Rebellion uh, very much on the fringes. So this was the first time, or that first day was the first time I was going to get arrested, um, actually actually disrupt people, uh, actively disrupt people. Um, yeah, and, uh, well, I think, I think 
I don't know if you remember from from the train station, we took that walk uh, down a little footpath and we waited near a bridge, like a little footbridge yeah. for like, I don't know, five minutes and we did a grounding and I think we started hugging each other just to say good luck before we walked off. And yeah, I found that oh. moment really quite overwhelming. Like, um, yeah, I guess, yeah, there's loads of moments like that. Um, do you remember that time? At, I think it was Junction 31 when there was just nine of us or or ten of us. Um, when is that the time we had that little that we all came around in a circle and we had that little like that little that little sing sing song yeah. read together? Yeah. yeah, we had an LBC in tow. Yeah, yeah, that was an amazing one as well. I really, I really enjoyed that <laughs> little moment before the action as well. Um, yeah. And I guess the other one that comes to mind is uh, where we had, I think it was talk radio with us and we we walked past the roundabout where there was a police van there. <laughs> I don't know how they didn't see us because we walked past them and then went under the undergrowth uh, underpass and then up onto the road and they still didn't come. Like <laughs> we walked brazenly past them and they didn't pick us up. I don't know why. It was obvious who we were. Um, yeah, that, that was another good one. <laughs> Hmm. Do you remember? Do you remember the one where you know they'd raided our house the night before, and they'd got all of our plans for the Friday, and we decided to go to that junction anyway, even though they were expecting us. Do you remember? Do you do you want, do you want to tell your side of the story from that? Because that that for me was one of the most hilarious days ever. You know. Did we get a taxi? Did we get taxi? Yeah, we got. We got. I think. I think we had like two or three taxis. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we jumped out. We got the dropped off at the petrol station. Yeah, yeah, and then just started walking. And they again, the police were there. They jumped out of the vans. Not enough of them because I think how many were we at that that day? Like sixteen or something. Eighteen. Eighteen. Okay. Eighteen. Yeah, we just kept on walking, didn't we? That was that was great fun. <laughs> like, I can't remember who got grabbed first, but then we were stepping round. Uh, we initially crossed that first road, didn't we? Which wasn't the uh, there wasn't the right road to block, and then I think seven of us got on. Um, I, I just got stopped before stepping out onto the road at the traffic lights. Um, yeah, it, it was, I mean, it was quite good fun. I felt bad for the people that got stopped early on and just had to sit down, but we got on. Uh, <laughs> oh, God, yeah. yeah they, like, they were annoyed. I, I, I remember, like, we were all casually walking towards the junction and the police, like, and we're on the set in the car, like, they're over there, they're over there. And they come, I remember a copper jumped in front of it, stop! And everyone just starts walking around him casually. And start they start grabbing people. Yeah. And yeah. when they grab someone, the person just sits on the floor, so they're like, oh, you know, like, oh shit, now what, you know? Yeah. Um, and I'll sit now. Um, I remember like a copper like squeezing past everyone and grabbing the person at the front, and everyone's just walking around them. And I remember a copper saying, "There's too many of them. There's too many of them." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and and by the time we got to the first um, the first part of the junction, like the person. I won't name names. The person who was leading the group had been stopped. He was at the front of the group, and um, and I think me, me and you had like kind of taken it upon ourselves, like individually, to kind of be like, right, come on, we'll lead the rest of the way now. Um, and it ended up, yeah, there was only a couple of us in it. Like, was it like seven, seven of us who made it down to Ketchum Road? Yeah, yeah, they were on us quickly. Then I don't. Did some people get glued on? I can't remember. And I, I remember. Um, I don't want to name. Don't, let's try to name any names because we don't have their consent to name them. But okay. there was a uh, one one of our group uh, who 
who began, who did glue onto the road, but then the coppers were there so fast it just ripped ripped them oh, clean okay. off. I remember yeah, they were gluing to someone that. at the side of the road because we got grabbed just before we got on. Um, yeah, gluing gluing to someone's hand uh, rather than the road. Um, but they just picked us both up and walked us to the van. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Was that the second time we'd been there? Because we got the bus there once and stayed on the bus past all the police, didn't we? Just stayed on the bus. Well, let's not get off too many police. I don't know. I don't remember we that went one. Back. Oh right, okay, yeah, that definitely happened. We 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 got there from public transport and just stayed on the bus. I don't know whether that was the the second time we'd been there or the first. Um, yeah. Yeah, I really don't remember that one. Tell us a bit about that. Well. It was the exact same place. Uh, maybe we got our plans already. Um, exact same place, exact same roundabout. Um, we just got the bus there instead of taxis. And uh, as we were coming up to the roundabout, um, the bus was going straight on past the petrol station where um, we got dropped off. And we could see all the police vans there already. Um, so, yeah, we just stayed on the bus. <laughs> we might have had a day off, actually, because <laughs> we didn't. I can't remember if we went anywhere else. Yeah. Um, but those things happen, um, yeah. How many times have you been sent to prison now for uh, for your climate activism? Uh, four. So. Wow. The, well, Holy not for shit. long periods though. The first one was for six days um, for an injunction break at Kingsbury. Uh, second one was because I missed a court date. Uh, and got put on remand until the next court date. I think that was for eight days. Then 28 days for contempt uh, in February, and then uh, 18 days for the guilty verdict for public nuisance uh, last month, uh, so April. Yeah, so not mm. not big. I guess the next time is going to get ever-increasing sentence lengths, but I'm kind of used to prison now to some extent. Like um, It's not bad, is it, really? I mean, it's pretty. Are we allowed to swear? <laughs> um, you can swear, but we'll probably we'll probably bleep them out. Okay, it's pretty rubbish. Um, I mean, it is really, really quite rubbish, but it's manageable. I think the lows, the lows, well, the lows may become unmanageable, but the lows are generally pretty, pretty manageable, or at least for me. Um, and and there is some humanity and happiness in there. Uh, yeah, like so, it's not all bad, but it is pretty grim. Yeah. How did you how did you deal with prison? Like how did you find the other prisoners? Did they how did they treat you? Um well I think it's reflective of society, um, as in general responses from society. Some 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 prisoners are supportive, interested, some are support uh some are interested and then not interested and some just don't like won't interact with you. Um which is fine, like it doesn't, yeah, it is what it is. So, um, yeah, but generally fine. Like I've had no negative, um, nothing negative from other inmates. Like generally, mm. generally, because we're quite smiley. Um, they're quite smiley with us and somewhat interested. And then, you don't know, you just get used to the same faces. You say hello to some people, you have a chat occasionally um, and you just get on with things, don't you? Like you st I stick to my routine and then, yeah just get on with things like so it, mm -hmm. yeah, it's all good yeah i mean um i was in prison for five and a half months uh last year and i kind of you kind of 
kind of get used to it really don't you after after a bit it just becomes like normal life well it is <laughs> it's our lives at that point like <laughs> it is it is i suppose it's i suppose the one if there is a definite upside to prison um it's that you you're kind of forced to contact people on the outside and you and like have structured conversations with people mm. that you care about on the outside so that's kind of good um because sometimes in normal life on the outside you kind of let that slip by the wayside um but yeah having that regular contact with people on the outside i think that's generally quite good and then there's like you're exercising you may not be eating that healthily but you're doing i did so much exercise uh like i had to take rest days because i was doing that much exercise um so yeah th- there are some upsides and so yeah it does although i mean it probably does ground you down because you refused to get a job in there didn't you yeah, I think I'd yeah, have to get I, a job eventually. Yeah. I, I, it's just the idea. I like it's a privately run company, and if you're working for two pounds a day, like if you're if you're doing laundry for two pounds a day, that's that's an employee that they don't have to hire because you're doing that job for them, and that's just more profit for the shareholders. So it's like there's no way there's no there's no way on on earth I was gonna we're gonna get a job. It's like get a job like. They could, they could do with it. I don't care. Like, take, take, take the TV. I hated the damn thing anyway. Did you not enjoy the time out of the cell? Or were you okay just in the cell? I was, I was okay in the cell. I mean, eventually they put me in an art class, which was quite nice. I, I said, I'll do, I'll do education. You know, that's all right. I don't mind yeah. education. Okay. Okay. So if there's an alternative, I think definitely time out of the cell is, is preferable. Although, mm. although it depends on the uh, entertainment options. But time out the cell was always good. <laughs> mm. Yeah. You know, the time during into Britain that I look back on the most fondly is when we had that house in um in the centre of London. I can't remember where it was now, but we, we oh, all Ilford. All eighteen of us were in one house. Yeah. Yeah. Um it was like a three story house or something, I think. Something like that, yeah. I remember it, I um, remember it. Yeah. Oh God, uh, I wish I could go back and do it all over again. You know? <laughs> I would do it all over again in a heartbeat. I think we'd only have two arrests and then we'd be <laughs> we'd be banged up this time round. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we definitely would, wouldn't we? Um, yeah. I mean, well, um, people are never people are never going to be able to do what we did in Insulate Britain for as long as we did it. No, no, no. That stuff is. Yeah, it was why it's it was such a important moment. Um, and yeah, if we if we could do it again with like I don't know two hundred people racking up ten arrests, like yeah, we'd have a real impact. Um, but yeah, it, it, time's moved on, hasn't it? Um, we've missed that moment. We've missed that opportunity. Although some good has come of it, uh, of course. Um, yeah. Well, it inspired a lot of people to join us, really. From you know, Insulate Britain became just a pile. Yeah. And it, a lot of people were inspired from our actions in Insulate Britain. I met a lot of people who have said, you know, they saw us and what we were doing, and that's, you know, why they've joined, really. Yeah. And even what we're doing in the aftermath, like, um, you've spent a significant amount of time in prison and able to share that experience with others now, because uh, it's, unfortunately, it's likely to keep happening. Um, likely to keep happening. But yeah, um, this this podcast is a place for people like yourself to be able to tell the full story 
uh, without, you know, on the news you kind of get like 30 second snippet to explain why you're doing what you're doing. Yeah. Well, here you can have, you can have a, an hour to really flush out <laughs> what you want to say. Yeah. I'd be happy with 30 seconds. <laughs> I'd be happy with zero <laughs> seconds. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, can we talk more about like, you know, you were working as a carer and you had a good career, I assume it was a good career and everything and you're doing with what, what you're doing what you wanted to do with your life and you've just kind of like, had to, you've just kind of put all that to one side. Um, what was it that, like, what, what were the emotions like that got you to, that drove you towards doing that? You know, putting um, your career to one side and, and kind of like, through, in, a, in a way, because getting arrested in criminal record, you're kind of throwing it away, aren't you, really? Like, working with children. Um, well, I don't know. Uh, and it's likely I won't find out just because, yeah, it's too important to go, to keep doing this rather than go back to, like, normal. Um so the emotions involved, I don't know, there was anger at the injustice that is happening and will continue to happen in increasing, uh, increasing manner. Uh, despair, like um, that we're throwing it all away, that things could be better. Um, anger, despair. Um, Yeah, it feels weird to uh, think back because, I mean, I've been involved so long now that uh, it's hard to think of those initial motivations. Um, yeah, I think those. It's, I think it's good for us to to revisit those initial motivations and how we felt about it when we first signed up. Because a lot of people who watch this podcast will be. Will probably be at the stage where they're considering taking action and signing up for just the pile or whatever app group they want to sign up to, and they can usually relate to how you know how you were when you first signed up. Like, um, I've said it many times on the show, but I say it again. For me, I felt I feel quite a strong feeling of love for um, for life on Earth and for humanity and for humanity's potential and for the biodiversity of the planet and you know things like coral reefs and the jungles the insects the complexity and beauty of life and i felt like quite a strong loss at the idea of the all of the all collapsing and dying and for me personally i just kind of got to the point where i thought like i refuse I, ref I, I flat out refuse to stand aside and let that happen you know like over my dead body, am I going to let that all go to shit? Mm. And I'm going to do whatever it takes. And the defining moment for me was I was weighing this up in the Insight Britain talk and I asked myself, um, you know, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, with food food shortages and and famine, will I look back at these this time and regret my actions? Will I regret getting arrested and getting a criminal record and thrown in prison and all the loss of earnings that came with that would I regret any of that and the answer was absolutely flipping not yeah you know I think someone within just a while has said only regret the actions that I don't do um which resonates with me as well um yeah I completely get that perspective like yeah 
and also your perspective of love like yeah that is true that resonates with me and that's yeah that's very important yeah mm -hmm. do you have any um do you have any nieces or nephews or children that you're doing this for or children that you work from your work that you're doing are um, you doing it for all of them really well i suppose that was a major motivating element in the start like uh yeah the um potential impact on two nephews um yeah um i won't elaborate on that too much um but yeah that is definite um is definite motivation um yeah i think for anyone new watching this like thinking if i should get involved like obviously it's a very personal decision and everyone's on this journey uh we're probably quite down the deep end now or probably not right at the deep end um but we're pretty much in the in the thick of it but i mean it's a steady it's a steady journey like we've we've we um yeah so like and there's no pressure at any stage like we're we've we've been to prison but it's, it's not the ask is it um just trying to salvage what can be salvaged uh, within your capabilities and then maybe push a bit on beyond your capabilities occasionally like that is that is all we're trying to ask of people um as to say to salvage what can be salvaged um yeah yeah if you're watching this um i want you to ask yourself um will you be able to say that you've done everything that you possibly can you know, in a decade or two decades, will you be able to look children in their, in their eyes and say to them, you tried everything you possibly could? That's a big motivating factor for me. Quite a big one, yeah, but... I mean, we, I, I still ask that of myself, so... Yeah, and I ask it of myself as well. I think, I think the answer for that to myself is yes. I mean, I could have done more... I could have done more spreadsheets and paperwork, but um, <laughs> I'm yeah. not much help to people. I'm not. I'm not very much help to people when it comes to spreadsheets and paperwork, anyway. So I'm better at being a uh, boots on the ground and having conversations like this. Yeah, that that's a happy place being on the ground doing actions, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that's the easy. That's the easy place, isn't it? Really. Well, to some extent, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's the hard work that goes on in the background that is, uh, yeah, challenging. Um, yeah, it needs to be a balance and needs to be, yeah, what's right for you, yeah. Mm. There are a lot of roles people can take that doesn't actually involve getting arrested or don't actually involve a criminal record. I've had a few people on who are arrestable that have actually made a massive difference. Um, my, uh, my my partner works in RIPS, Rebels in Prison Support. Yeah. And they do a they do an amazing job, uh, you know, providing that support to people in prison who have taken action, but also their families as well. Um, yeah. So if you, if you are watching this, consider consider helping out with whatever skills you are. If you're good with spreadsheets, then we need you quite badly. If you're a HR person, we need you. If you're good with tech, we need you. You know. Yeah, there's lots of there's lots of places you can uh, lots of, lots of gaps that need filling. It's not all about getting arrested, but the arrest the, getting arrested is the fun part, really. <laughs> yeah.
How many uh, how many arrests are you on now, David? Twenty seven. Oh, I'm on twenty five. Twenty five. Okay, but if you get arrested now, you're you're straight back on remand, pretty much, aren't you? Yeah, I'm. I'm screwed now. Yeah. Yeah. Now. So whereas my bail conditions are pretty okay at the moment. Um, I mean, yeah, I've got this probation supervision order thing, but uh, I don't think the consequences of breaking that are going to be too inhibitive. So. Yeah, I might be able to scoot ahead of you even more soon. <laughs> oh. yeah, tw- tw- 27, 27. Um, I'm really, I'm really jealous right now because I can't do, I can't do anything with, the, with this. Like when I came out of prison, I my bail condition said that I weren't allowed to talk about protesting with any person or any organisation by any means whatsoever. Yeah. That yeah. means even like with my dad, I couldn't talk about protesting <laughs> with anybody. Like. Yeah, that's crazy. Unbelievable, it's, right? Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. And the day those conditions changed, this podcast was born. <laughs> where we talk about protesting continuously and continuously encourage people to uh, sign up for action. Yeah. Sign up yeah. for action with just a pile. I might get in trouble for saying that, but I really don't care. So, you know. How many convictions have you got, Josh? I don't know. 25. Four or five. Okay, yeah. That's I think I've got five criminal convictions and then three civil convictions. Yeah. I don't even I don't even know to be honest. I don't I don't, I don't really keep, I don't really care to, to even keep count. Well, I I kind of keep track because it's quite a good ratio. 27 arrests are only eight convictions. Um that's not too bad. <laughs> not is it? Only one in three, pretty much, has gone to actual uh, actual conviction. Uh, thank you, Hertfordshire Police, I think, because they dropped all our charges, <laughs> didn't they? <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Yeah. You know, I miss, like, when you come out of the police station and everyone's there waiting for you. That's the yeah. best feeling ever, wasn't it? It was, as in, yeah. Yeah, that yeah. They used to take us to the same police station. Oh, sometimes they took us to the same police station in Inchlape Britain. That's for sure. And when we were out, and we got out as a team, uh, or a big group of us, or a big majority of us, anyway. Yeah, that was wonderful. And then travelling back to accommodation, getting food. Yeah, it was. Yeah, special moments. Yeah. I I'd always I'd always look at Shiki and be like, uh, pint. <laughs> I think I think I became a borderline alcoholic during that campaign. Like, oh dear. Uh, I remember you yeah. sleeping in some odd places. <laughs> yeah. You slept well, I was the just... fridge. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was actually quite comfortable, actually, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's a little tiny, little tiny box room, wasn't it, with the, where the fridges were? Yeah. Uh, because I snored really loudly and nobody wanted to share a room with me. <laughs> and then you must have got disturbed at, like, 7 o'clock by people getting milk out for the day. <laughs> It was hummus. They were going for the hummus. <laughs> yeah, people would like step over me to get to the hummus yeah, in the fridge. Yeah, yeah crazy. <laughs> oh, those, those goddamn vegans and their hummus. <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, amazing. Um, yeah. Can I ask, uh, so... How do you feel about hunger striking? Because I know I've got a feeling that it's going to be that it's going to be some hunger like campaigns focused around hunger striking in the future. Like, 
Is that something that you see yourself doing, or are you not too keen on that? Um, I don't know. I don't. I personally, yeah. I personally will not be hunger striking. Like, yeah, that's just my call. But I know this is. There's uh, quite a few people who who have done hunger strikes already, and people who are planning on doing. And um, Emma Emma Smart um, did a like a thirty six day hunger strike or something like that. Um, she's gonna come on the show next, actually. Okay, cool. So it'd be good to hear hear her perspective. Yeah, yeah. How how do you feel about first of all? How do you feel about hunger striking as a tactic, and then how do you feel about you hunger striking? So there's numerous. Uh, elements like Angus Road did 37 days outside Parliament and um, he got off the back of that he got debate in Parliament which only 10% of MPs showed up to um, yeah mm. so oh, I don't know I, it's a tricky one uh, I, I'm not inclined to do it mainly because I'm so thin already uh, but equally, equally reading up about it, like, um, I think it was in the 1970s or the 1980s, like, the, um, the Irish hunger strikes, um, like, I think there were quite a lot of deaths from that. Uh, this is probably not historically accurate, but I think close to double figures, nine, nine people died either in prison uh, through hunger striking um, as part of, like, the Republican uh, movement. Um, and the government just let them die, basically, didn't they? Like... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't personally. I don't personally think it's a good a good tactic, really. Um, Who knows? Like everyone's scrabbling around to try and find what works. Like we don't know. We don't know. Mm-hmm. I know there's an opinion that, like that sacrificial element. Um, yeah, may 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 be a stimulus to a broader movement, but. Yeah, we just don't know. Um, I mean, look at Win Bruce. You know who Win Bruce was? Oh, self-immolation. Yeah. Um, I mean, his sacrifice didn't really... I've not really seen any uh, movement springing out of his sacrifice. No. No. I don't know. I guess I guess we don't, I guess we don't know what... I don't know what the answer is and what it's going to be. Yeah. I'm kind of leaning towards mass... Partition, mass uh, civil disobedience, like closing down motorways and M25s. But we, I feel like we've been, I feel like we've been using the, the right tactics, but we've just not had enough people and enough energy to keep it going. What do you think? Yeah, I'd agree with that. Like, yeah, it was all about the numbers. Um, but I think, oh, I don't know. I, it seems like we're. Improving things uh, and putting in systems that that could be replicable if the numbers were there. Um, yeah, it's. It, I mean, it's easily easy to get quite disheartened doing what we're doing. Like, um, but I think we've already gone past that. <laughs> the most disheartening thing by accepting that everything's completely uh, at risk. So. I mean, once you accept that, like everything else is, is, uh, yeah, um, 
I think that's the thing to accept and then everything else just flows off the back of that so I mean numbers is frustrating but ultimately what, what we can't do much else uh, we can only do what we can do and yeah and hopefully that's that's somewhat enough maybe maybe but I think most likely it's not going to be enough like yeah I think I accept that as well so what do you think won't be enough well even if we get a victory uh like i think i think yeah it's 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 not going to be enough um to like prevent mass suffering um yeah i think that's pretty much locked in now whatever yeah, we do yeah. really yeah yeah especially for um africa and and parts of Asia, they're going to be unlivable, as, you know, we're just with the heating that's already locked in. Yeah. But I guess it's about, if we start now, there's still a lot of lives we could save, there's still a lot of people that we could relocate early, there's yeah. still a lot of systems that we could put in place, like uh, rainwater harvesting and um, really building resilience into communities, but I think we, I think, who was it, who was it that said that we need to put a, we need to be on like a war on a warlike footing. I can't remember who that was now. Yeah, Do you know? Sure. No, no, not. I mean, many people have probably said it. But... Yeah, we need we need um, we need to be going all out really. Yeah. Yeah. One of the ways I've justified it to myself is, even if we are passing the point of no return, like the more the more awareness we bring to this problem the more brains are working on a solution. There's probably a lot of brilliant people in the world who haven't quite yet realised how serious the situation is. Yeah. So yeah, really, yeah. awareness, you know, more brains on the problem it means there could be solutions found that we haven't even thought of yet. Yeah. And it's a, it's a very time-sensitive issue as well, isn't it? <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, it's, it's massive bigger than massive yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. can I ask um, in your head is there like um, a cut off point where you think like is there have you got a year in mind where you would decide where you'd think about giving up and throwing throwing the towel in or are you just going to keep going indefinitely that's a pretty nasty question. That to no, ask no, no. Lot. It's a good question. It's a good question because, um, well, of course, of course, you consider that, don't you? Because, or at least I've considered it. So I suppose then you're looking at what else is there. So, I mean, the alternatives beyond what we're doing, I perceive them as either preparing for collapse, like, or or death, like. So there is no alternative for me. Like, yeah, you just gotta keep going on. Um, and, and uh, yeah, I suppose, yeah, and that, that is what it is. Um, yeah, just got to, yeah, so I've got no year in mind, like, I'll just, I suppose self, like, it's hard doing this, like, it is hard, it's not easy um, going in and out of prison, uh, it's not easy doing the work that we're doing, um, so I suppose some aspect, like, of... <laughs> of a break um but then yeah i think ultimately like people need to know that we're at risk um 
and as you said like um yeah uh do you have a what's your answer to that question oh um see i think like 2025 2026 i think by like 2027 like you know if we've not seen some radical change then like my my dream is to have my own sailing boat you know like that's what i want to do right and right now that dream's on hold yeah um, from the way I look at it is plan A is uh, is save the world and plan B is survive the death of the world <laughs> okay so I've got to ask myself the question when do I go from trying to, trying to stop or prevent the mass death and suffering to just trying to make sure that me and my loved ones survive and that's a that's a tricky one really um I think one thing we could all do is maybe look at uh, stocking up on some non-perishables and maybe hiding them under the floorboard or something like that. But I guess that's quite pessimistic, really, to look at it like that. Yeah, well, that's we... what I mean by preparing for collapse. Like, I don't think if if societal breakdowns happens that... that um, I mean, there may be a lucky few, but... Uh, or, or, or more... Yeah, I don't know. There may be some survivors, but I think generally, even even the people preparing for those scenarios are gonna like have to have their houses raided and like search for all the food and stuff like along those lines. But yeah, so I don't, I don't think even I think uh, I think people people like us who like when people when the population realizes like oh we're screwed, but there's these people over here and they've known it's been coming for twenty years. <laughs> I bet they've got some supplies. Well, well, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, but probably not us because we've had no money by then. So we will have eaten all our supplies. Probably some of the rich people that are still left in the world who may have able been stock up a bit more. Um, they <laughs> go for them. <laughs> no, no. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's all uncertain. Um, but yeah, no, oh, yeah. no end date. I, I, yeah, I, I, I mean that might change. I mean, obviously we've already said that it's too late like um yeah so who knows who knows what the future will bring um yeah i don't know i don't know you know um so we're almost at the end of the hour now uh, we've yeah. got about seven minutes left um if there was one thing that could you want to say to um people in the future because i like to think these videos uh, are a way of immortalizing people's ideas and words and this video might outlive me and you and it might be studied but studied by future generations so just on the off chance it is is there anything that you would like to say to future future generations i hope you've been watching on double speed <laughs> uh, poignant uh, i don't know josh so i've never thought about that i guess um yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I guess that, that, that we're trying. Can I tell you what I would say? Go on. So, so I'd say, like, we are the people who tried to, you know, save, protect this protect the living world for you. 
and your children. Uh, we are the people who sacrificed everything we had. Our, our, our liberty, our careers, our mental health in some cases. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like one of the reasons I wanted to create this podcast is so like, you know, the, a lot of these people in this movement, they don't get a chance to be seen or heard. It's only really the spokespeople who get seen and heard. But uh, yeah, we are the people who tr- who tried. If we win or if we win or lose, it was people like yourself and people like me who really give it our all, and uh, we acted out we act out of love. I'll let you speak for me then, Josh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I yeah I agree with those sentiments. Um, yeah. I'm I'm happy not being spokes and having my words heard though. So, <laughs> although that's contradictory <laughs> yeah. by being on this, yeah. Well, we've got we've got we've got about four minutes left of this uh, of this podcast, this episode. It's been uh, been great to get you on. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, appreciate all. Have you feel like you've done? Yeah, and likewise, I appreciate everything you've done as well. Everything you continue to do, working behind the scenes. Do you think you're going to continue to be a? Re- do you think you're going to continue to do a restful action? Silly question, really. Uh, yeah, like I said earlier, my bail conditions aren't too strict, so yeah, it's, I think I'm willing to risk. Yeah, where? Well, yeah, basically, yes. Because mm. uh, it's important, yeah. important, and yeah. Um, Okay, well, we'll, uh, we'll we'll leave it here. I'll yeah. just say to anybody who's watching, um, if you've got this far into the episode and you like you like the content that we produce, uh, please consider liking this video, subscribing to the YouTube channel, and we now have a Patreon, uh, which is in the link to the video below. Um, so if you want to help supporters, please consider donating on Patreon. You get exclusive content on there. We're going to be doing like some behind-the-scenes stuff and uh, how we got started and stuff like that. But, uh, but yeah, thank you for thank you for watching and like and subscribe. Do you want to say, do you want to say a final goodbye? Yeah, thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> Cheers.